Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. My name is Steve Eunice. This is show number 87, released on March 28th, 2012. And I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Scotty V. Hey, Scotty. Steve, how's it going? Good, yourself? Oh, you know, same old, same old, I guess. Yeah, Last enough. week it was 78 degrees here in Pennsylvania, and today it was 35. Wow, bit of a difference, drop in temperature. Yes, it was huge, and it was super windy. I felt like I was in a, the Arctic uh, <laughs> uh, all day today, and uh, it was uh, really not nice. <laughs> so snuggling up in your fortress of solitude. Yes, I have the uh, the air heat blowing on me right now, and I'm uh, I'm just you know ready to uh, get on with the show. Sounds good. All right. Well, uh, let's get into our discussion topics. And uh, first, cab off the rank is usually movie news in regards to Man of Steel. Now, uh, probably it's been a bit of a quiet month. There hasn't been too much going on. Uh, there was a bit of a talk from costume designer Michael Wilkinson who uh, revealed some of the mythology behind Superman's costume and the S, and um, let slip that they've created a bit of a neo-medieval backstory for Krypton, uh, including uh, the creation of an actual language, so we'll be able to hear them speaking Kryptonian in the movie. And um, so the suit uh, is uh, designed on that part of the mythology. I can't even tell you how fantastic this made me feel when I read this, because... I've been saying forever and ever and ever that we've got to give up on this frozen tundra of a Krypton mm-hmm. where there's one little tiny building and they live there and and they're they're all kind of isolated and they have these rings where they capture the bad guys and uh, <laughs> it just seems like they're gonna flesh it out. I'm 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 so excited because I want to see a new kind of version of Krypton, maybe, uh, you know, and I've seen some of these things in the comics over the years, some mm. different kinds of things, some warlike people, some this, some that, you know, uh, but also a very advanced scientific uh, uh, society too. So I'm not sure where they're going to go with that, but I do like the idea of a new take. And it sounds like we're not necessarily going to get the crystals and no, the frozen right. stuff. And, yeah. and I, I'm real happy about that. Yeah, me too. And, uh, you know, I, I don't mind the fact that uh, this, this Superman's costume is, you know, uh, reminiscent of what they wore on Krypton or, or an actual costume that they wore on Krypton and, and that it's, you know, it's part and parcel of the Kryptonian heritage rather than just some tights and what have you that have been, you know, slapped together and sewed together and um, it actually has some, you know, callback to his uh, to his heritage. Yeah, and people have... Uh, complained about the new 52 or whatever. Why is he wearing armor? This, that, and and now it looks like in the new movie that they're kind of going for a chainmail look or whatever. And and uh, so, you know, I've heard many people have an issue with that, but I think it may just fit in with that medieval backstory that they're talking about, mm. being that the costume is connected to that time period in his in, in his uh, heritage. Yep. That they were wearing those types of uh, outfits. Uh, so I'm 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 excited. Yeah, it sounds good. And. Uh... The other thing that we got with Man of Steel was a leaked call sheet that was quickly um, pounced on by Warner Brothers. They sent out emails telling people to remove it, that it was, you know, copyrighted material and, you know, had to be removed ASAP. And they pretty quickly jumped on that and uh, made everyone pull it down. But obviously we all got a pretty good look at it before it was uh, requested to be removed. And there was some interesting information in regards to scenes that were being filmed 
uh, and locations and uh, you know what we're seeing there, but also some of the bit part actors, some of the uh, lesser known characters that will be playing uh, you know, who and who will be playing them in Man of Steel. Uh, I had a you know zoomed in on the on the call sheet from my uh, iPad and uh, was able to figure out that some of the characters. And if you're you know worried about spoiler information, there's not too much spoilerish here. We've uh, we know that a guy called, or the actor Richard Citroni, I think is how you pronounce his name, is listed as playing a Kryptonian character by the name of Tor Ann. Now, whether that will be on Krypton or whether he's a person who comes to Earth, we don't know, but I'm imagining it's based on Krypton. Also, uh, Quezi Amior is, uh, is playing a Canadian airman, as is Mike Dupod who are uh, quite familiar faces for uh, a lot of the TV shows like Star gate and uh stargate sg1 and those kinds of uh shows i think stargate atlantis mike dupod was on um other known actors in the in the film ian tracy's playing a character known as only as ludlow while carmen levine is playing someone called chrissy and howard siegel is portraying a character named weaver now what this means is anyone's guess but uh that was information that i was able to uh disseminate from the call sheet Wow, they just jumped on that so quickly because you you wouldn't want to give those names away. Uh, I mean, we I mean, you could, someone like myself, I could figure out the entire plot of the movie based yeah. on what you just told me there. <laughs> Plus the fact that Lobo's going to be in the movie, Conduit, Dominus, it was all right on that page. And uh, to imagine that they would give that away, it's just um, and I can't, you know, uh, obviously they had to pull it, you know. I mean, once we found out that Kenny Braverman was going to show up in the film, uh, you know, all is ruined. They're going to have to change the whole plot now. Maybe none of those characters will appear at all that I just said. <laughs> well, uh, I can, yeah, I, none of that information. I don't know where you got those, those names from. Yeah. Oh, was... it was there. Believe me, I used my really good vision. Wow, really good vision. Yeah, it's not supervision. It's okay. just really good vision. But it's better yeah. than good vision. Well, yeah, sure. It's really good vision. Really good vision. Wow. Yes. Now, uh, there, <laughs> there was some actual <laughs> spoiler information in regards to some it will. We saw photos of Cavill and uh, and uh, Russell Crowe getting scuba diver training, and um, we actually see on that call sheet that there will be some underwater um, scenes uh, filmed. So that will uh, obviously that makes connects those dots together. That's something else that excites me because uh, I don't think we've really seen that kind of thing in movie action before. Maybe a little bit on Smallville. Some underwater stuff with with uh, with Arthur Curry when he mm. came, and uh, but very short sequences, and and it'd be kind of cool if there's some kind of rescue or or fight or battle or both. Yeah, um, an underwater sequence. And, yeah, uh, that would be sounds cool. neat. We only new things we... that they're doing with the movie just just excite me. Yeah, the only thing we did see in Superman Returns was when Superman fell underwater and Lois grabbed down and grabbed his cape and pulled him back out from drowning but uh that's you see and different. that's just a lesson to all you people who say people are dumb for wearing capes if he didn't have that cape on <laughs> he wouldn't round yeah exactly all over the ocean. you see they function they have a function they do they do and they look great when you're flying <laughs> well that helps yes yes now uh moving away from man of steel because that's pretty much all there is to discuss with that film um, Those people at the movies and their fancy sets not giving us any information. How dare you? Yeah, well, we, we hope that uh, probably, who knows, by the next time we're end of next month, we might get a teaser trailer, but uh, maybe Ooh. maybe the month after that. But 
We'll wait and Probably see. Probably with Batman, I would. I yeah. would assume. That would Knight. be the uh, the uh, the smart money. But uh, in other movie news, uh, Superman versus the Elite uh, was uh, premiered. The world premiere took place at WonderCon, and uh, we also got the trailer released online. Uh, and now know that the film will be released to DVD and Blu-ray on June twelfth. I'm looking forward to this one. Now, did you say that they they showed the entire movie at WonderCon, and that's already occurred? Yeah, that took place. Uh, WonderCon was uh, in earlier in March, so um, yeah, that was. Uh, we had a couple of reporters there at the red carpet, like doing one-on-one interviews, and there weren't that many cast members on hand. Uh, there was. Uh, the the fellow who plays um, uh, Manchester Black, um, I'm trying to just looking up his name. He doesn't come to to mind. Uh, Robin Atkin Downs, uh, who does the voice for Manchester Black, was on hand, as uh, as was the director Michael Chang. Uh, so we got interviews of uh, for, from both of those guys on the Superman homepage, uh, dated March 20th, and also uh, Joe Kelly, who wrote the original comic book for Action Comics 775 for the story What's So Funny About Truth, Justice, and the American Way, which this movie is based on. Um, he was also there, but we didn't get to actually to interview him. Now, what's the deal? Are they not releasing any info as far as a synopsis, a review, or anything from anybody? Is, that, is, there, a, uh, is, there, a, is there an ex-nay on the... Uh... No, there are reviews online for uh, Superman vs. Elite. We don't have any on the Superman homepages yet because we don't want to spoil it for anybody, but... Um, yeah, June twelfth is when the when we'll all get to see it on uh, Blu-ray and DVD. Yeah, I love this story. I'm, I, I've mentioned before that I'm I'm a little surprised by the um, type of animation they decided to go with. Mm. It looks more like one of these new um, yeah, DC Nation uh, short cartoons that right. they have during the uh, during the block on Saturday mornings. More than uh, and 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 the subject matter is is supposedly so so much darker and and i mean the story that it was based on is very violent and very 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 dark so so interesting choice of animation that mm. they went with here but the trailer did did um pick up my anticipation a little bit because i i was really unsure with with some of the still shots that yeah. they released but uh it does look like it could be uh could be quite interesting what's with his chin <laughs> he just seems to get bigger and bigger in uh, <laughs> as each movie comes out. But uh, yeah, I, I thought it would probably try to relate a bit to the way the artwork was done in that uh, comic book, which was a very um, oh, I don't know what the word is, but it was a very different uh, type of art uh, in that comic book and wasn't really that well um, uh, liked by a lot of people. But uh, unlike say All Star Superman, where they went with artwork that was very similar. To uh, to the original uh, draw, you know, drawings, uh, this one seems to, yeah, like you said, seem a little bit more cartoonish than probably what. Yeah, the, and it's, uh, it seems like it's, just, it's really the first one. You know, every one of their animated releases has had a different look to it. Yeah, but they've all kind of been really. You look at them and they seem really sharp and crisp, and and that they have a, a really good quality. Um, I would say the simplest one was probably Superman Doomsday, but but as they've gone on, they've gotten they've gotten much nicer and, and really cool, and we've seen some different styles. And this one just seems to kind of spin everything on its head and has a really just different look, hmm. uh, with no basis in reality or, or looking like uh, actual people or or even cartoon versions of people. I mean, everybody they're almost caricatures. Yeah, that's true. Very true. If, 
if you understand what I'm what I'm saying. But yeah. hopefully the story will shine through and some of the voice work will be good. And, and you know, we are looking at um, interpretations of uh, some 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 what might call modern art when we look at comics. So yeah, so sure. to translate that into a movie, it might not be so bad to have a different kind of look uh, that that's a that's an interpretation that. You know, uh, some may ha- may find a little bit jarring, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so am I. And uh, I think we've said it before that this is probably the first time for a Superman animated film that we're getting a movie based on a single issue of a comic book, where previous animated movies have been on a saga or a storyline that's gone over a number of issues. So uh, it should be good to see just how much they can really, you know, get into the nitty gritty of this uh, of this story, which was one of the favourite of a lot of uh, comic book readers. There should be a lot more to it as far as being able to really include most of what was there. Exactly. You know, when you look at something like Doomsday and it goes on for nine months out of a, uh, you know, out of a year, there's just so much that, that can't fit into 75 exactly. minutes. And That's right. It's just, you know. Yeah, so it should be good. So wait uh, for June 12th. Um, hopefully we can get some advanced reviews uh, up on the website for you guys who are sitting on the fence as to whether or not uh, this is one you're going to pick up, so uh, keep an eye on the Superman homepage leading up to June 12th uh, for information on that. Now, the only other movie news we've got is a, a bit of a quirky one. Um, Lionsgate have picked up the rights to a heist comedy film uh, called Action Number no. 1, which is based on the uh, the true story of Nicolas Cage's copy of Action Comics Number no. 1 getting... Um, uh, being stolen and then returned <laughs> and then eventually sold online on on as an auction item um, for a record amount of money. So uh, yeah, interesting choice. Uh, I can't believe they stole my comic books. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, you know this one was is just I, it was so odd yeah. for me odd to choice. hear. And I'll, I, I mean, I, I'll believe it when I actually see it happen. I mean, so many different ideas have been bought and That's moved right. around and. And who knows if it's ever actually going to become a movie? But uh, it might be very interesting if it were to be to become a film. And making it into a comedy is kind of an interesting choice mm-hmm. uh, as well. I, I don't know where else you would go if you were trying to make a drama. I mean, how dramatic is it? You know, <laughs> so say, hey, we stole a comic book. You know, but uh, <laughs> but if it's a comedy, uh, you know, hey, uh, some people Stranger have things. joked. You know, what a movie about Nicolas Cage, and Nicolas Cage isn't going to be in it. <laughs> Since when is Nicolas Cage not in every single movie that comes out? And uh, I get the the joke there is that uh, it seems like Nicolas Cage will do just about any film <laughs> that they seem to hand him, and uh, and he's the same guy in every movie, you know. Uh, oh, they stole my books, you know. So uh, it would be kind of interesting to see some guy, I guess, playing Nicolas Cage, <laughs> or will he just the character not appear? Yeah, and it's more about the guys who stole it or getting it back, or I, I don't know where they would even go with this story. But I'm interested to see if anything happens. <laughs> yeah, it will be it will be uh, a fun one to follow to see if it actually ever gets made. Because, like you said, a lot of ideas get picked up, and um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a fun one for Superman fans to keep an eye on. I'll be interested <laughs> to see just what happens with it and uh, whether or not Nicolas Cage does decide to get involved or not indeed (laughs) all right well let's move away from movie discussion and uh get into tv talk with uh your favorite animated show at the moment young justice yes yes i am uh still enjoying this show uh wholeheartedly i mean the animation is just so good and uh and and all the characters get proper screen time as far as the main team i do have my misgivings about 
how they treat the adults, but it's not about the adults. That's and, right. uh, you know, the people that it is about, I mean, they do a really, uh, really bang up job with, uh, with showing us what's going on with them. Okay, now the first episode to, to, for us to talk about, uh, which uh, was episode 19, uh, which aired not long after we did our last podcast, was titled Misplaced. And in this one, uh, Clarion uh, uses... Uh, the Witch Boy. The Witch Boy, that's right. Uh, he uh, pretty much in, in cahoots with some of the other adult uh, wizards uh, and magicians uh, splits reality so that in one reality there's only children under 18 and the other reality only adults over 18 and um, the two worlds are separated. And uh, I found this one interesting because uh, it gave... Uh, Captain Marvel, Shazam, whatever they want to call him these days, the opportunity to uh, be a gateway between the two worlds. Well, now that you mention that, it's kind of interesting that in the animated universe, you know, we look at the Elite, we look at Justice League Doom, we look at uh, these Young Justice episodes. Uh, clearly, we're still in some version of the old DCU. Yeah. Uh, you know, Superman still got his regular outfit. Um, uh, Captain Marvel is still uh, the innocent, uh, kind-hearted Billy Batson, and he turns into Captain Marvel. And, and and of course, in the new version, we have weird Superman outfit, and we have Shazam, and we have a hooded, scary-looking guy, and then we have Billy Batson kind of being a jerk. and. Uh, thing, all things that people are kind of having a problem with, but when you when you go to the other side of the coin, and that is the the animated stuff that's going on, uh, which really just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It's the same I was saying with with Man of Steel, you would think that they would do the whole relaunch with the new movie to get everybody on board and to keep everything on the same even keel so that no one was confused. You know, the whole reason for doing this reboot was so that new people could get on board and that everybody could understand what was happening. And yet we have three, we seem to have a movie that's going to be totally different. We have the new 52, which is totally different. And we have the animated stuff that's going on, which is all over the map, but it's usually with the regular outfits that everybody recognizes. And uh, we have Captain Marvel here. And I agree with you. It was really interesting. Uh, I was actually confused. Uh, because I didn't know what was going on yeah, <laughs> at course, the beginning, and and then when they when they did that Captain Marvel thing, and I, I started to get it, I was oh oh okay, and that's cool because now he can go back and forth between the two, yeah. and work with both teams and kind of coordinate and and get get everything set up, and it was it was pretty interesting. Yeah, it uh, it was pretty interesting, and uh, it was good to see you know the way that the the two worlds were separated, and uh, how the the older kids managed to help the younger kids. And um, what I also found interesting was the relationship between um, Zatanna and her father Zatara, and uh, the sacrifice that he made at the end there. Yeah, that was uh, you know I. I... I often talk about this when doing Great Scott or, or, or commenting on someone's comment. Um, this show moves me emotionally at times yeah. that that you don't you can't always count on from an animated series. And someone mentioned that it's a kids show, and and so you can't really expect much out of the writing for Superman because I often talk about how I think he's he's they're kind of handling his attitude wrong when it comes to Connor. But we'll get to that. Um, but I really don't feel it as a kid's show. I feel it as a well-written story that just happens to be an animated format. Sure. And, uh, and, and, you know, when they have things like that with, with, uh, with Zatanna's father and, and, uh, you know, this girl who's not really a little girl, but I mean, she's losing her father and now she's got to come to grips with that. And, and he's making that sacrifice to save her. It's really 
a lot more emotionally uh, charged than than some other animated efforts. Yeah, definitely. Then we move on to episode 20, which is Cold Hearted. And uh, this was a bit of a fun one with... Uh, well, it started off with a, as a fun one with Wally West's birthday uh, turning 16. And uh, and then everyone... There's a big alert and everyone's given, you know, a task to, uh, you know, team up with the Justice League to fight off these uh, spaceships that are sending out cold... You know, weather over over the you know the cities and and uh, Wally's like, yeah, great. You know, my birthday wish to join the Justice League and be a part of a, you know, uh, team up with the Flash. And then he's given this task of uh, what he thinks is a menial task of running a uh, a heart uh, across uh, the city, across the country, whatever it is that he's got to deliver. Is basically a glorified delivery boy. Yeah, uh, and again, emotionally charged. I mean, they fooled me a couple of times in this episode. Uh, yeah. uh, obviously, I didn't know it was the uh, the queen of, of this other country uh, that, that he was going to rescue, and I didn't realize that her uncle was evil and was going to try to take it over and, and wanted her to be dead. And you know, but but when he first got there, and they and they said, "Oh no, you didn't make it. She's dead." Uh, I was like, oh man, That's you know, this really is yeah. like a deep, you know, and then, and then it happened again and, and then uh, they turned it around on us at the <laughs> end and I thought it was really, really neat, um, the way it all played out and, and what exactly was at stake and what was going on and, and, uh, it was interesting. Yeah. I mean, like for the first time they fooled you, you thought, oh, you know, that's, that's really bad. And then they, then they've kind of fooled you again, but while he was in on this one and it's like, oh crap is that really like you know you wouldn't expect them to to uh pull the same stunt twice but they did yeah you know why because they were cold-hearted and they didn't care <laughs> about our emotions and they were pulling us every which way and it didn't even matter to them no and that's an interesting interesting title because cold-hearted is the her uncle and you know it was a heart that was in and it was cold you know it was everything it was kind of the the title of the of the story was uh quite well worded it was. Uh, and one thing that I mentioned in, in Great Scott, and someone said that it was mentioned in the episode that uh, Superman was part of one of the teams that took down one of the uh, snow skiffs or, or whatever they were. I did not – somehow I did not hear that and I just found it interesting that yet again a major event is happening uh, across the country and across the globe and Superman, the most powerful member arguably of the Justice League, is nowhere to be found, not talked about, not mentioned and not involved. And I always say, where is he all mm. these times? Someone said to me that it was announced that he was part of one of the groups and I know that when you do a group show and Superman's one of the group, it's awful hard to explain why he doesn't just fly around and stop everything by himself. So a lot of times they kind of just leave him out. But uh, that looks bad, too, because then it looks like what's his purpose if he's never involved and yeah. he's never doing anything? Why is he even, you know, why does everyone hold him in such high regard? But uh, from this show, you wouldn't really be able to tell that he's held in any kind of regard because he's barely there. Yeah, and that, it's an interesting point you make because I don't recall him being mentioned, and I might have just missed it. But uh, he, you know, each of the other um, characters got to team up with uh, their Justice League counterpart in some respects. You know, there was um, uh, Aqualad with Aquaman. If I'm if I'm correct, were they team? Were they paired up? Um, but definitely, um, there was uh, who who else was teamed up with there. Well, Kid Flash wanted to go with, yeah, Flash. with Flash. That was one of his his issues was that he wasn't going to be able to do Robin that. Robin was and of with course, Batman. He showed Flash up there. Uh, Robin was with Batman. Um, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, uh, they didn't show every single member of no, the Justice No, not every League. single one of them, but... Uh... Um, but there was maybe five of the adults. Um, was this the one that had Black Canary and, and Green Arrow in it? Um, uh, and then Red Tornado, of course, has been around an awful lot. Yeah. Uh, Batman's always there. Yeah. And, and it's, again, uh, as Superman fans, we feel slighted because Superman's not around. But, again, this isn't a Superman show, and that's no. not really what I'm asking for. I'm no, enjoying right. the stories the be. way they are. I'm enjoying these characters. I love the animation. I have no problem with it not being a Superman show. But if you're going to have the League be present and you're going to have Superman be a big part of that, to just kind of write him off in every single episode, especially when there are major events happening across the globe, it, it doesn't make sense to me. So, yeah. so yes, I, I, I mentioned it's not me as a Superman fan crying that I can't see Superman. It's more from a standpoint of where is he? If he's there, what, you know, what is if he he's doing? Part of this, yeah. Even it's the same thing with Wonder Woman or the Green Lanterns. They're super powerful as well. And, and where are they? Yeah. And in all of these events, are they always off-world in another universe? Are they always someplace? I mean, is Clark just hanging out at the Daily Planet when all this is going, just, you know, sleeping? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> then, That's uh, my thing. Then so. next up we had uh, episode 21, which was Image. And this one sees uh, Queen Bee um, trying to take over the neighboring country. And uh, Miss Martian's secret is revealed in this episode to us. Yeah, man, I found her to be very cute and, you know, uh, pretty. And, and uh, even though she was green, I was kind of like uh, Captain Kirk in that in that way. But uh, <laughs> uh, then they show her there, and I'm like, Ugh, get out of the group. Who wants you around? No, no. Uh, Hello, Megan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, you know what? I was, I was pleased because um, I've, I've heard a lot of complaints about the Hello, Megan thing and all, and people saying, okay, enough of that. But what I liked about this was that it gave us a uh, an impetus for where that came from. We we got to see why she is like that yeah. and why she says that all the time and and where she learned some of her behaviors from, yep. which is still annoying. But but at least it, <laughs> it, uh, it you know it shows us that this was a uh, you know even though she's older, which 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 brings me back to the misplaced episode where eighteen year olds went to one place, 18 and under went to one place, and over that went to another. If Miss Martian is 47 or something, uh, Martian Manhunter said that, and I believe it was this episode, um, how come she wouldn't have gone to the other place? I mean, do the magicians, does the spell know that mm. on Earth she only appears to be 18, but she's really 47? Or do I don't you, know. Maybe it doesn't work you know on Martians. I mean? <laughs> well, well, then, well, but, but it worked on her then. because she she was she was you know in the in the spot where she went to the kids part she yeah. was in the kids part with everybody else so i don't know wouldn't she have gone to the adult part? Ah, whatever. whatever anyway <laughs> uh, uh i i thought it was uh real cool too because queen bee was voiced by marina sirtis who uh who played counselor troy on star trek and i uh w was watching the the episode and I said I recognize that voice and I figured it out before I got to the credits and that's always that's always cool, cool. I wasn't aware that uh, she did voice work mm -hmm. um, so it's it's neat to it's actually the first time I've seen her since one of the since the last Star Trek movie or whatever mm -hmm. uh, that she was in um, way back when but uh, I thought again this was another great um, story with with conflict and and it's not all action all the time there's a lot of decision making and and 
and uh, talking and, and um, uh, a lot of intelligent banter back and forth uh, with, with, with Robin trying to decide what the best thing to do is and, and how they figure it out and, and, and how they go about doing what they're going to do. And um, I thought it was uh, uh, another really great episode. Yeah, definitely. Now, the next one called Agendas, episode 22, I haven't actually seen yet, but it's supposedly about Superboy returning to Cadmus. What did you think of it? I thought it was uh, really cool, as I always do. It seems like I'm a broken record when it comes to uh, Young Justice. But uh, uh, those that are that are looking for some sort of resolution or even forward motion with the Superboy-Superman story, you're not going to get it here. I'm not sure what they're waiting for. I'm not sure where it's going to come from. Uh, I don't know if they've just thrown their hands up in the air and said, I don't know what to do with Superman. I can't write him or what the situation is. But uh, although Superman does appear in this, which at least made me happy from that standpoint. In fact, I mentioned Green Lantern. I mentioned Wonder Woman. They're all in it. Um, and so are some other members of the Justice League that we haven't seen before. So from that standpoint, it's very, very cool. And the Superboy story returning to Cadmus is uh, it's, it's really neat. Um, and, and he does meet, uh, as we've seen in some of the um, ads, another attempt at a uh, Superman clone. And, uh, and, and hijinks ensue. So it's, uh, it's good. I enjoyed it. And Lex is in this, is in this one as well? Lex is in it. And I was going to say um, uh, that uh, Lex has actually had more character work in this series than many of the other adult heroes wow. have. And he's a villain. Yeah. So, and we've seen him many times, and he's had many, many uh, bouts of dialogue. He's he's been involved in many different plots. Uh, he's one of the light guys that were in the TVs before, and then we found out who they were, and uh, now he's uh, heavily involved in in the plot of this episode. Wow, cool. Well, we've uh, we look forward to further episodes of Young Justice. Uh, there are new ones uh, coming every Saturday. Uh, for the foreseeable future, so keep an eye out on Cartoon Network at uh, 10.30, I think it is, on uh, Saturday and Sunday mornings. The same episode repeats on the Sunday uh, as part of the DC Nation block. So uh, we look forward to future episodes of Young Justice. And speaking about future episodes of Young Justice, at WonderCon, uh, they showed a sizzle reel um, looking back at the season so far that we've seen, the episodes we've seen, as well as a, a, a brief flash forward uh, for future episodes including this whole justice young justice invasion which uh leads to season two of the show and we see new characters such as blue beetle lobo clayface the flying graysons and lagoon boy <laughs> lagoon boy huh hmm. that's one i'm not even familiar with myself <laughs> uh lobo could be cool yeah. uh, we did see a brief glimpse of clayface uh i think it might have been in a in an illusion or in a, a uh, some sort of test that Batman was putting the uh, young group through. I, I, I think it was in the one where we were made to believe that all of the adult heroes were killed mm -hmm. um, in the invasion of the Earth. And, and there was some kind of a battle at the beginning where every single Young Justice member was easily taken out by Clayface. And then Batman showed up and within two seconds Clayface was down. <laughs> Um, but as far as Lobo, I've always enjoyed um, seeing Lobo's interpretation in, in different media, and uh, I think that's going to be cool. And Blue Beetle, uh, like with uh, Zatanna, if he's done um, a little bit younger, could certainly be a, uh, an auxiliary member of a Young Justice team. Yeah. 
So we look forward to uh, future episodes of Young Justice and uh, the second season and this whole invasion uh, thing that uh, leads into that. So should be cool. Keep an eye on the Superman homepage for all your Young Justice uh, stuff. So uh, beyond that, uh, as I mentioned, the DC Nation block on Cartoon Network, uh, we've had these little animated shorts, uh, the Super Baby, uh, Super Best Friends Forever. They're only very, you know, very, very short uh, animation segments. Um, your thoughts on them? Uh, well, this launched, what, March 3rd or something? Mm-hmm. So we haven't even talked about this new DC Nation block at all. First, I'm, I'm, I'm super pleased that we have a DC Nation block. Sure. I, I like the whole idea. I like that they're throwing these little shorts in. And uh, I thought that they were cute. I mean... I don't I don't know what people are looking for exactly, but uh, you know, uh, Super Best Friends Forever was very Teen Titans like in terms of animation. It was a little silly. Um, not sure uh, how Cat or how Batgirl keeps up with uh, with Supergirl <laughs> and uh, and Wonder Girl and and Wonder Girls. And it's an interesting um, it's an interesting take on Wonder Girl. Uh, she's she's being portrayed as Wonder Woman's sister, and she's also uh, dark haired. Um, very thin and very tall and has kind of a, a European uh, type accent, uh, which is uh, different than what we've seen in recent years for Wonder Girl. I don't know if, if this is uh, meant to be their version of Cassie or, or not. But, of course, uh, when you look at uh, the short like Super Baby, um, it appears that they're not really going for any type of continuity no, or, or exactly. necessarily matching what we know of as any of these characters. Yep. But I did think Super Baby was funny. I, I mean, it was cute. It was kind of like a uh, a send-up of um, some of those old Japanese-style yeah. commercials or movies or whatever, where they just take a concept, even if it's completely different from what everybody knows it to be, and they just put their own spin on it and... <laughs> I thought it was neat. I, I you know, it's uh, it was cute. Yeah, uh, it was funny. Now uh, I was interested to learn from Lauren Faust, who's the creator of Super Best Friends Forever, and this is just her version. Uh, she's she's admitted that you know she's just they've given her free reign to do what she wants. But there are only five of these seventy-five second Super Best Friends Forever episodes, um, with possibility of more. But at this stage, there are only five of them. And we've seen what? Uh, seen one, one so far? Yeah. yeah, one, yeah, with the, uh, with the with invisible, invisible jet. Plane, yeah. Which is interesting because um, you remember the old Super Friends cartoon? Yep. Wonder Woman had the invisible jet, but it was like an outline sure. in the sky of yep. a white like jet. Glass. But then, and she was floating, sitting there with her hands on an invisible <laughs> steering wheel. And, and apparently she wasn't invisible. So when Wonder Woman comes on scene, she's just kind of floating in the air. In a sitting in position. A, in a sitting position. <laughs> uh, and it was, it was neat the way they uh, showed the jet here, whereas, oh, Supergirl said, I've never been invisible before. And she kind of stuck her leg in there and she started to disappear into the, which would be a much more effective invisible jet than the way they showed it back in the day. Definitely. So, uh, yeah, DC Nation block is uh, from 10 to 11 on Cartoon Network on Saturday mornings. And as I said, it repeats on Sundays. Um, and so what I understand is is the Green Lantern animated series is 10 to 10.30. And then you get the, uh, the the short segment or whatever it might be each week. Um, and then you get uh, Young Justice for the second half hour. Sorry, this, yeah, the second half hour. Is that correct? Yes, I believe the first uh, animated short is is right after... Green Lantern, and right. it goes into the beginning of the episode of Young Justice. Okay. Then Young Justice goes, and then halfway through the Young Justice episode during a commercial, they put on the other short. Oh, okay. 
So, so that might I've be like the a couple of innovation. bits and pieces here and there because my DVR cuts off at the end of the Green Lantern and then starts again at the beginning. Oh, just okay. so Sometimes I miss a few seconds here and there. But uh, uh, speaking of Green Lantern, and I know that this is a Radio KAL, um, but uh, and not Radio HAL. Haha, <laughs> see what I did there? Um, <laughs> the, the, the Green Lantern series is actually, it's really good. It's another one where I, I feel an emotional connection to some of what's going on in the story. There was an episode where an entire colony was destroyed, and I was like, wow, this is an animated show mm. on Saturday mornings that's supposed to be for quote-unquote kids. Um, and there's some deep stuff going on. I, I'm not a big fan of the type of animation, but it's it's growing on me. And the same with what I hope will happen with Elite is that the story is so good and the characters are so good yeah. that, that the animation no longer matters because it could be live action, it could be computer animated, it could be flat animation. And if the story is good, it almost doesn't matter which way that's you present right. it. Yeah. Okay, so that's DC Nation animation stuff happening on Cartoon Network on Saturday mornings, which is uh, something that kind of harkens back to our childhood Saturday morning cartoons. Fun times. Fun times. Uh, all right, into comic book discussion. Now, uh, previous to uh, just before we, or just after we recorded our last podcast, Action Comics number seven came out, and this was the one in which uh, Superman flies into space to confront Brainiac and uh, comes across his new costume. Yeah, uh, the episode, uh, the story was was uh, very cool. Yeah. Um, my my thing is is that, and we're, we you know, part of the promises that were made with the new Fifty Two is that we're going to have creative teams who are on the ball, who are on time. These books are going to be released. You're going to be able to follow the story. It's going to be easy to get through. And we've already had so many delays. I don't even remember when the last of this story even happened. I don't remember where we were. I don't remember what happened. I didn't pull the book out again, so I, I, I'm just, oh, okay, he's flying up into space to fight with Brainiac, I, because I seem to remember a, that Six was some kind of weird story in the future where the Superman squad was there, and and he, his brain was poisoned by kryptonite, but it didn't have anything to do with the actual arc that we were on, and yeah. Five, I don't even remember what Five was, and I thought Four was the one where it ended with him standing on the street after... Um, he met with Steel, and 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 we saw the the worm Brainiac or whatever. So I don't even know where five fell in there, and and now we're with seven, and he's flying up into space. To, uh, so uh, again, delays and and fill in stories, and we've always mentioned that this really throws off the groove. They seem to know it. They mentioned it wasn't going to happen anymore, and yet they still seem to be having that problem. Well, I don't think there's been any delays with Action Comics. It's come out on schedule each each week each month i think it's just like you said that throwing story in between about you know the, what was going on in superman's brain and the kryptonite poisoning and and that thing probably threw uh, a lot of people off the track of just where the continuity was going but was that was that not a delay was that not because that wasn't that written by somebody else because they weren't ready with the actual storyline that was happening oh uh, okay i know what you're saying well yeah well, perhaps that's what happened there i i um I th I thought it was still by Grant Morrison. I just think thought it was uh, just one of Grant Morrison's weird, um, you know, uh, tangents. Yeah, yeah, but it was, I think it was a different artist, definitely a different artist. But I still think it was right. Grant Morrison. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm 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 very confused just by the you know uh, the delay in at least this particular storyline. I don't know if 
uh, if his brain stalled, I don't know if he was having writer's <laughs> block. I don't know what was going on. But uh, when you when you when you kind of have an interlude that that really has no connection or no reason for being right here, do we need to see that story right now? Yeah, I know could what you're we, saying. Could we finish out the arc first? But you know what I think also is the problem is that we're getting action comics and then you're getting Superman, which is set in a different time period, and you're getting you know he's a future Superman coming. Just I think it what I think we need to get back to where the books are happening at the same time and continuing on the same story. I know that a lot of the, the writers don't like doing that because it they feel like it's you know boxing them in and that they're not unable to tell their own story. But for Superman fans, it's kind of getting a bit confusing because you're reading two different Superman stories and you're not exactly sure where they fit in with each other. I think another thing that they're trying to do is to give people the option of buying one or the other. I think maybe they felt like people were falling off by the wayside because they didn't want to have to buy all these Superman books to stick up with them. But if they wanted to buy action, they could. If they wanted to buy Superman, they could. If they wanted to buy them both, they could. And you just have to remember when you're reading them that you're in one timeline or the other. I don't believe that they're ever going to match up. I, I had read that that they were going to catch up to each other and it was going to be present time. But I think the action comics main bulk of story is still going to be his formative years. And then we're going to see him, you know, get this new outfit or whatever, which he does. And then, and then, but then when we, when we go with eight, it's going to be a new storyline or whatever, or not eight, but whenever we get through this brainiac thing, mm. we're going to see a new storyline with the jeans wearing Superman from still early. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but that no, was my impression of what was going to happen, that we're still going to see things happening in his formative years. Um, and, and that Superman is still going to be his, his, uh, after formative years. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I was of the impression that we're just catching up and that we'll still get, we will now get the Superman in his new costume. When and speaking of the new costume, I'm interested to, to find out just how the costume changed from its white design with this, like a circle pattern in the middle to create, you know, have the blue and red and the S symbol on. I hope they do explain that because he just put it on and it changed automatically whether it read his mind whether it just you know had a inbuilt design you know waiting for somebody to put it on i don't know yeah, it almost seemed like it was a living fabric of some yeah. kind that uh, he put it on and it, it took the form that it needed to take and that's like odd. you said fabric it wasn't this you know everyone's been saying oh why does he need to wear armor it's it's obviously an armor type fabric it's not a metallic thing the way some people have been drawing or fan have been drawing it. I know there's been that Action Comics number one cover that people thought was real. It's just been a it was a fan created cover, and it looked like it was a metallic costume. It's not a yeah. metallic. It's a fabric of some type of like you know, like almost like a Kevlar vest. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be metallic to be armor. Right. So uh, I was interested to see that uh, drawn the way it was, the way it was putting it on. It's fabric. It's not armor, as in you know, hardened armor. So anyway, got that out of my chest. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes now, we have to. Now, moving on to Superboy number seven. Um, this, uh, you know, Superboy has gone back to, to the nowhere facility to, to you know, get some answers and, and pretty much, you know, uh, lay waste to those people who have been lying to him for whatever reason he feels like he's, he's been lied to. And uh, Rose Wilson is there to uh, confront him and stop him and... Um, you know, it's a bit of a on again, off again fight because you know he puts puts her to, to 
to the side and pushes her away, and then she comes back towards the end of the issue and actually delivers a almost a killing blow. Yeah, uh, this comic series so far for me has been all over the place. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't even I don't I don't know exactly what they're trying to do. I don't know what they're trying to show us. I don't really know who or why these people are involved. This this Rose Wilson. Uh, and apparently Superboy, unless he is thinking about using his powers, is unable to even protect himself. And, and some girl can just come up from behind him and, and put him in a, in a sling, in a coma, and, and have him in, in, in uh, you know, fighting for his life, uh, which I guess could be an interesting take. Um, it's definitely different than anything we've seen before with Superboy, you know, because he does have that that measured in vulnerability in most cases, but it appears that it's, it's only by using his tactile telekinesis that he can erect some sort of a force field in order to absorb damage or stop damage from getting to him. So if he isn't paying attention, somebody like Rose or, or, or myself or my little daughter, Lexi could just go up, slap him in the back and, and knock him unconscious. But, uh, <laughs> now there's something I'd like to see. It would be quite cool to see that. Now, um, Adam, the channel who's reviewing this comic book for us, said that he's frustrated with Superboy because he feels like it's simply a tie-in to the Teen Titans and the Ravagers book and that it doesn't really have a voice of its own. Well, that's definitely possible. I, I'm, I'm a little behind on Teen Titans myself, and I don't read Rav- Ravagers, no, but I, uh, I, I know that there was definitely a definite tie-in. We saw that in, I think, uh, episodes one and two of, uh, of the Superboy series. Um, and then it's it's kind of sporadically uh, spliced in to, to the Teen Titans books that I have read to where he's kind of hunting them yep. and he lays waste to the team and then uh, he goes to do something else and then he feels bad about laying waste to the team. So then he goes to lay waste to another team at nowhere and it's just – he just seems to want to lay waste to everybody and everything at any time. Christmas trees in the middle of Central Park uh, or in that, you know in front of Rockefeller Center, whatever it is. Uh, he just wants to destroy things, and, and then when he destroys it, then he, he feels, feels bad, bad about it, and then he goes and destroys something else, and then he feels bad about that, and it just – it seems to be an ongoing cycle of destruction and guilt, destruction and guilt. <laughs> something that happened to him when he was a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. All right, then when we uh... – When he was in that test tube. <laughs> that's right. They, he was you know, abused. The <laughs> well, uh, we move on to Supergirl number seven, which uh, I've read, and uh, it was uh, Superbo- Supergirl once again up against these world killers in New York. And um, Jeffrey Bridges, who reviewed this for us, uh, says that uh, it just seems to be that, and I agree with him, that it go it's it's Supergirl in another battle, in another battle, another battle, similar to Superboy in what you're seeing with him destroying something and then feeling guilty about it. With Supergirl, it's somebody wants to fight her or she wants to fight somebody and then they talk about it and then they fight some more and then they talk about it some more. And there's a lot of that, you know, kind of um, with the villains in this, it's uh, Rain, I think her name is, almost like a, you know, moustache twirling villain who explains what they're doing <laughs> before they do it and then they, you know, give the opportunity <laughs> for the superhero to, uh, to, to win the day and then the superhero waits while they talk some more and then uh, the villains disappear. Well, they did that at the end of five, didn't they? Yeah. With when she was on uh, her her old city or whatever, when yeah. she was, uh, it was kind of yeah, yeah. 
it was a lot of exposition, but it was the bad guy. Yep, exactly. I'm going to do this it's because you're, thing. you know, uh, yeah. Mm. So, uh, yeah, Super Goal number seven, uh, a bit of a letdown, but um, at least the world killers are now gone. They've left, and uh, perhaps we'll move on with Super Goal, and hopefully she doesn't have to fight somebody again in the next issue for uh, for little or no reason. So we'll wait and see what happens there with Super Goal number eight. But uh, then we move on to Justice League number seven, and um, this was pretty much a Steve Trevor story. Yeah, it was. Um, there was a lot of, um, and, and I, I'm not reading Wonder Woman, so no, I'm not really sure where the story has gone with that. But, but from my point of view, having being only reading Justice League, it seems as though there was something that happened between uh, Steve yeah. Trevor and Diana that we don't really know about. We're not privy to, but they apparently had some sort of relationship mm. yep. or not relationship or uh, they like each other or they don't like each other or Well, he's in love with her, but you know, um, we don't know he what. told her, but we don't know what he said to her and well, we don't know what she said to him. But, yep. um, uh, so um, it's it's kind of interesting to, to, to uh, kind of delve into that a little bit. And I do like that uh, Trevor is kind of like uh, an ambassador yeah. to the government, uh, to the politicians uh, for the Justice League. Yeah. But uh, the Justice League seemed to be very unlikable in this issue in regards to, you know, or maybe it was just a show for us, to, for him to see that they're just like anybody else. They do have arguments. They're not, you know, um, perfect. Uh, they're not gods like everybody seems to think they are. They're, they're just as bad as the people who are running the government uh, in that they do have arguments. They do have self-interest. They aren't perfect. They aren't. Um, you know, uh, unflappable. They are, you know, just regular people who do have their own insecurities and their own issues. And uh, he's got to be the person who kind of gives the, the silver lining around around that cloud for the rest of the uh, the public. It seems like that was what they were going for. But then he himself says, okay, how about I just go up there and tell them and then you'll have to see what they have to say about it. He kind of makes them seem like, yeah, like they own. are... You know, but I didn't get the impression from them themselves. I got the impression more from Steve, who is supposed to be <clears throat> kind of like their press agent. It made it sound for them. like they were worse than they might be by saying things like that sounded like threats. And yeah. then suddenly the politicians back down and they're all afraid. And, well, I just meant uh, that uh, the Justice League came off as being like with Green Lantern saying, hey, we need more food, send up more stuff, you know, like sound a bit obnoxious rather than uh, anything else. Well, I think that there has been a um, an ongoing sort of complaint about how Jordan um, in this new DCU, I'm not sure how he is in his own book, but he has been very, very brash, very mm. cocky, very um, kind of self-interested um, more than anything else. Um, and I don't know if they were kind of queuing off of the movie, which which really didn't go over that well, and, and now they're not sure what to do or what the situation was. But uh, that's, I think, what, what, what has been going on with him from the beginning, at least in Justice League. And it doesn't seem like he's going to stop being particularly obnoxious just yet. Yeah, well, we'll wait and see uh, where Justice League number eight takes us. And, uh, you know, obviously the Justice League were up against this Spore character, and that was almost like a side story uh, as opposed to what Steve Trevor was going through with the government and uh, the way he was portraying the Justice League and, and their uh, involvement with, uh, you know, with the government of, the, of, of America and, and indeed 
you know, the, the way things run around the world. Oh, Spore was just so quick. It wasn't even... Yeah. It, it really was wasn't almost, even anything yeah, to like that. And, of course, story. we find out at the end, I love when they do this, Green Arrow versus the <laughs> Justice League. League. <laughs> oh, okay, great. A guy in Robin Hood suit with an arrow is going to pose any the- type of actual... Threat. The other thing that they've been doing with the Justice League, and, and they've done this with comic books for years and years, but it seems like almost every book shows a different character wiping the floor with either the entire league or another one of the seven characters. So, mm. and it doesn't even happen. It never happens in the story at all. That solicit that we had of of of, of Superman strangling Batman with the uh, with the glowing green under the water never happened. No, it's just it a, never occurred. Uh... And then we have Aquaman, you know, um, with with Green Lantern down on the thing and, and Superman drowning and Wonder Woman down and everybody down. And, and he never fights anybody. <laughs> Aquaman's not against anyone. <laughs> it's just, just it's funny the, the way that they keep just, you know, Some showing book. things that don't really happen ever. <laughs> and not even an argument, not even like we might come to blows at some point. Um, uh, anyway. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so the the last comic book I wanted to touch on, and only because it's the final issues, uh, you know, were published this last month, was the DC Universe Online Legends uh, number twenty five and number twenty six, which are which is a tie in comic book to the uh, obviously the video game, and um, it was very probably poorly um, uh, followed. There weren't you know we didn't get that many people interested in the book. I don't think that many people were buying it. The sales were pretty low. Uh, I think it dragged on for way too long. Twenty six issues is, is a is a maxi series, really, and um, and yeah, it's kind of. I don't think it really, you know, did went anywhere. I don't think it really did anything for anybody. Well, it looks like I didn't read the final issue, but I but I would agree with you that there were just so many issues where nothing happened. It mm. Just kind of. Uh, look at this battlefield. Look at these people. They're down. Look at this guy. His nose is bleeding. Um, just over and over again. More, you know, panels of destruction. Panels of this. Panels of that. But over and over again, just repeats yeah. of the same kind of general idea. Exactly. How can Brainiac outdo Lex this issue? And how can Lex, you know, have a uh, plan that was, you know, third rate plan down the, you know, he had a, a contingency plan for what Brainiac might do. And then Brainiac has the contingency plan for what Lex was going to do if he's found, you know, it just uh, went on and on and on. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, it did seem to, uh, you know, I just read 25 and, and it was just another kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, show these contingents moving from one place to another, talking about plans, but not actually doing anything of any note. And it got confusing at the end there uh, in 26 with future Batman, future Lex coming back. And I wasn't sure who was what and what who was doing what. And then at the very end, it's kind of like there's an, an, a conclusion that's not really a conclusion because there's Batman deciding whether or not he's going to press yes or no to decide the, uh, the fate of the universe. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a bit, bit disappointing, but um, it's all done and dusted, and I'm sure Jeffrey Taylor, who uh, was long-suffering reviewer on that series, is glad <laughs> that uh, the final issue has come across his desk. Probably is. I, I would think so. <laughs> all right, well, in other news, uh, this past month DC Comics launched their new website, and it wasn't very well received by fans, and it's it was a beta version, a beta version, however you want to pronounce the word. And um, I hate when people launch uh, a website that's not fully tested, not fully completed. 
I think just wait until it's fully done before you decide to to launch something. It was not like they needed to do it by a particular time. That the date they released it was a deadline that they had to, you know, like you know the beginning of the DC universe relaunch or anything like that. It was just at any day, just a, a day of the week, and they picked it, and it wasn't really complete. And it caused no, a lot no, of errors. No, no, Steve. If they wouldn't have released it that day, the entirety of the DCU would have would, come down ah, around them. Well, maybe. Yeah, well, you didn't know, but I have inside information. Well, fair enough. And, uh, well, they, they nearly brought down the entire Facebook uh, Man of Steel uh, fan following there with 45,000 people just left uh, in no man's land because what seemed to be a convoluted issue with the Man of Steel page on the DC Comics website linking to them, but uh, I've discussed that elsewhere and we've mentioned that elsewhere. But, uh, yeah, I just uh, I'm not really impressed with... The uh, calendar, like, you know, you can't really find out what comic books are released each week like you could with the old website. Yeah, it's, uh, I like how it looks when yeah, you first go good. there. It's clean. It looks really sleek, you know, it's fancy. Each character has kind of a bio yep. and some interesting things, which is neat uh, and was kind of missing before. There wasn't sure. really anything like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, the calendar is definitely one thing. I mean, just for their own sake, if they want to sell books and they want to get people excited about what's coming out, uh, would certainly seem to be something that they should fix. Definitely. I mean, I used to, uh, on a monthly basis, even weekly sometimes, just check out, you know, what had changed as far as the solicitations were concerned because, uh, you know, they can get, books can get delayed and some, you know, move forward or backwards in a monthly, uh, schedule. And uh, that's no longer part of it, or I haven't seen it as part of the new website. So hopefully, it's something that's uh, that'll be you know fixed and updated uh, as they uh, move forward with the new website. So uh, fingers crossed they do that. Now, speaking of new stuff, the Superman homepage launched its own iPhone app. Ooh! Now, are you are you an Apple user? I do not have an iPhone. I have a Droid, which uh, I think I believe you. Yes, we you also had a, a, a Droid app uh, yep. before this one. That's correct. Uh, the iPhone app is professionally uh, produced by GUI, uh, who are a uh, programming uh, company, who are big fans of the Superman homepage and uh, approached me about doing a professional iPhone app um, from the goodness of their hearts. And uh, you know, so that's fantastic that uh, that we have a professionally built iPhone app, which you can obviously use also on the iPad and iPods, and um, it, it's it's a great app, and we're looking to to improve it and do updates on it moving forward. The Android app is something that uh, I built using a free service that's available on the internet called Apps Bar, and that's why it's not as clean or as uh, professional as the iPhone app. Uh, but um, yeah, so I'm I'm really uh, really pleased about the iPhone app and. Uh, Supposedly, we've uh, you know getting got quite a few downloads already, and uh, it's featured uh, at the moment as uh, on one of the I think the UK and the Australian app stores as uh, in the What's New section. So that's really cool. Superman homepage iPhone app making <laughs> all our hearts gooey with delight. <laughs> nice. We sh- we'll have to get that snippet out there and uh, put that as a commercial. Indeed, I'm available <laughs> for all types of work. Fantastic. Now, the only other thing I wanted to mention before we move into the big question segment of the show was the uh, live show, the Radio KL Live. We've had Jeff Trexler uh, on uh, for two shows now in regards to the Superman legal battle, the copyright uh, you know, issues going on in the courts between Warner Brothers, DC Comics, and the Siegel and Schuster families uh, in regards to the rights for Superman. And Jeff has 
been a fantastic guy to talk to because he he's a um, attorney himself, a lawyer, and he's been following this case for years now and commenting on uh, a number of websites, a number of blogs, and uh, it's just great to be able to uh, speak to somebody who can make it, uh, you know, speak, of, you know, relate the the what's going on in layman's terms and and explain uh, the the intricacies of this case and what it means for us as Superman fans. So if you haven't checked out the recordings of those two live shows, uh, be sure to have a look at the Superman homepage and, and listen to what Jeff uh, has to say in regards to explaining what's going on with the legal battle over the rights to Superman. Now let me ask you, um, and maybe it, it, it comes out on the uh, episodes, but uh, does, does Jeff believe that that these changes to the DCU, these changes to Superman, to Lois, to Jimmy, to the costume, uh, relate to the um, issue at hand? He doesn't think so. It's possible, but he doesn't think so because they're still derivative of the same character. Um, so they're, they're, it doesn't disassociate itself or create a new character um, for, for legal reasons. It's still Superman. It's, you know, he still flies. He's, he's still Clark Kent. Um, you know, Lois Lane is still Lois Lane. So they're still, just because it's a different timeline or different continuity, it's still a, a derived from the same entity, the same uh, character. So, um, yeah, changing the, getting rid of the red trunks wouldn't seem to change anything because, you know, Superman's costume has changed quite a bit since, um, you know, what Jerry and Joe created back in 1938. Uh, so it wouldn't necessarily, you know, be... Uh, that's he doesn't necessarily think that's the reason. For well, the my changes. understanding had been that even something like the uh, the electric blue Superman uh, was was something that DC used in order to take to the courts to say, look, we've made significant changes, we've made significant updates, we've continued the story of this character. He's gone through so many different trials and tribulations that the argument can't be made that it's the same character that that, that these two families um, uh, created years yeah. and years ago. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's like you said, it's part and parcel of it, but he wouldn't say that it was necessarily the the, the total reason uh, for it, or that it's because of the the legal battle that, that these things have been done uh, necessarily. But they they could be, um, you know, shown to, as you said, to be you know proof of of the character being different um, to what was originally created, and therefore not wholly um, the original character. But uh, yeah, we'll uh, check those those podcasts out, the recordings of the live show uh, for uh, Jeff's uh, words on, on just, the, you know, answers to the questions just exactly like what you've asked there. So uh, interesting things to think about and listen to. Let's start with the big question. So the big question for this month, what, 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 what did we have last month? Well, last month we used uh, Starla Bow's question. She asked, which is your favorite uh, version of Superman on TV? Yeah. Uh, she gave her own answer, so uh, oh. she wrote in, I'm so glad my question got picked. I can't believe it. It's cool. When I wrote my question, my favorite Superman show was the animated series. But recently I had started watching the old Superman show that George Reeves was in. And you know what? This one is a really fun show. She puts that in all caps. <laughs> At first, I didn't think I would like it because it was really old, but once I started watching, I couldn't stop. Those DVDs are where I go to get my Superman fix. I love the whole cast, especially Jimmy and Perry. They are funny. Very cool. It's great to see that Starla is uh, 
is you're finding those old 50s uh, TV series episodes uh, still fun to watch. Uh, they're they're timeless, I think. So that's that's really good good news. It is good, and she's you know uh, quite a bit younger than we are, so it's yeah. nice to know that uh, uh, it still appeals to uh, you know the new generation. Exactly. Now her father, Calvin Bowes, writes, "Thanks for doing Starless Question. For me, the best Superman TV show was Lois and Clark." I felt this show was so much fun, especially the first season that Deborah Levine produced. She had such an interesting take on the characters. This was the only case I could think of when a producer had no knowledge of the comics became an asset. Oh, well, yeah, I think uh, the first season of Lois and Clark was definitely pretty good. Yeah, I really enjoyed Lois and Clark. Um, most of the first season was, uh, you know, had some really great writing and it was really well produced. It got a little silly after that. Uh, but I would uh, generally say that the cast of Lois and Clark was my favorite ever live-action portrayal of cool. uh, any of the characters. Okay. Uh, Jimmy, uh, Jeremy Crawford wrote, My favorite Superman story from TV series is Lois and Clark's new Krypton saga. Well, he's, he's getting very specific on us here. Uh, you got to feel Lois's pain that she won't ever see Clark again and got a different Krypton villain instead of Zod, and you get an adaptation of the black suit from when Superman came back from the dead in the comics. Yeah, good point. Uh, it's That's from, the I think, the fourth season, uh, or the, towards the end of Lois and Clark anyway. So, uh, that third, I think. Cause third, it ends, yeah, uh, that's right. It ends on a cliffhanger with him getting on the ship and supposedly going back to new Krypton. Yeah. And uh, he, she flies out of sight on a spaceship, and she's in the window uh, saying goodbye to him supposedly for the last time. Yeah, I remember that uh, quite well. So uh, next up is Chris G, who wrote, I would have to say my favourite Superman on TV is the Lois and Clark series. I especially like that his parents are both alive and he takes direction from them. Then once Lois finds out the truth, she helps with the excuses on why he runs away when trouble starts. Yeah, that was uh, that was one of my favourite parts of the Lois and Clark thing was when uh, she found out he was Clark, you know, Clark and Superman, she found out the whole thing. And, and um, there's a lot of that uh, kind of banter of her trying to protect his secret identity, and it was quite funny. Yeah, it brought in a, a comical element that wasn't so uh, far-fetched. They yeah. tried to be comic with a lot of the villains, but uh, so they went overboard on that. But yeah. the, uh, the hiding the secret identity thing and the banter back and forth between them and other characters made for really uh, funny moments. John F. wrote, tough question. I grew up with George Reeves in the 80s in a number of animated series, and of course there's Lois and Clark in the 90s, and uh, the Superman animated series, and JL and JLU Superman in the 90s and 2000s. I guess my favorite version of Superman on TV for live action is a tie with George Reeves and Dean Cain Superman. My favorite animated series is the Fleischer's Superman. Yep, I would have to agree with him on the Fleischer's Superman. That's... Uh one of my favourite uh, versions of the character. And um, it's it's amazing to see Dean Cain uh, pretty much uh, prominent in all these answers. Yeah, I love that, because uh, he's always been one of my favourites, and uh, obviously the, the Fleischer animation is so cool to look at. Um, so you got to love that. Yeah, exactly. Now, Rick Ruiz wrote, Wow, great question, and so many options from great moments in Superman's TV history. Recently, I just watched one of my all-time favorite episodes just because it's so funny and it always brings a smile to my face. Superman, the animated series episode entitled Mixpixelated. Simply wonderful. McGurk, also Bizarro's World, was a great one. Great show and great. And greetings from Guatemala in Central America. Wow, we're definitely... Uh, 
<laughs> McGurk. I love that myself when yeah. he's wandering the streets yelling McGurk. <laughs> and then the statue comes to life and he's like, McGurk, what are you doing? It's quite a funny episode. Yeah, Gilbert Grudfeld really did the great. His return when he came back in a later season and yeah. it just wasn't that good. It nah. didn't measure up. The, the first appearance, which was just so great. Yeah, as I was saying, Gilbert Gottfried really did a great version of Mixie. No, oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know a lot of people who are like, how can you stand this guy's voice? But uh, <laughs> for Mixie's Fiddlick, uh, I, I, he's perfect. It was just so good. Yeah, exactly. Lynn S.M. wrote uh, that uh, my favorite Superman is uh, Dean Kane from Lois and Clark. Look at this. Wow. Uh, I like the show's interpretation as expressed in the episode Tempest Fugitive. Superman is what I can do, but Clark is who I am. It makes more sense to me that Clark would invent a Superman persona than that Superman would disguise himself as Clark. I also enjoy the show's humor. It's focused on Lois and Clark's relationship and Superman's use of his brain and his powers to overcome the villains without resorting to violence. Yeah, it, uh, good answer there. That's a, that's a great quote. Uh, Superman is what I can do, but Clark is who I am. Yeah, and I've always, myself, I've always uh, felt that it made the most sense that it would be that way. I mean, he grew up from, from a very young baby as Clark Kent and was, was raised on Earth by Earth parents, so uh, why wouldn't he be uh, more Clark? Uh, you know, Superman uh, is actually the creation, in, in my view, yeah. because it doesn't come until later. Exactly. Fair enough, too. Now, uh, Hector writes, Hey, guys, my favorite version of Superman on TV has to be Smallville because my cousin... DJ Goofy told me about Smallville, and ever since then, I'm hooked, and I've become a fan of Superman and the DC world. Well, fair enough. I'm actually surprised Smallville hasn't uh, been more prevalent in uh, our answers here. Me too. Uh, I, I guess it's it's just because uh, so many Smallville fans aren't writing in, but uh, obviously it was a very popular show. A lot of people loved it, and... Uh, I like the fact that uh, even though it isn't quite the way I would have portrayed the character in a lot of situations, I like that, uh, you know, something like this. Um, Hector says that it's what brought into Superman and the yeah, DC world. That's it. You know, if Smallville can do that for people, I think, it's, I think that's great. Yeah, of course, it was interesting. In early seasons, I had people saying to me, Smallville, why are you covering Smallville on your website? And I go, because it's a Superman show. And they oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. I remember when I was a DJ on the radio uh, back in uh, the very early seasons of the show, uh, I would often talk about it. Uh, and it was it was right around that time that Remy Zero's song was actually being played on the yeah. radio. It didn't really, Their band didn't seem to go anywhere after that, and the song wasn't immensely popular, but it was played for a few rotations. And uh, I would always talk up the show and talk about how I loved Superman. And I would have young people call in and, and say, you watch Smallville? Uh, you know, and... and well, yeah, it's about Superman, and they would say the same thing. It is, and then I'd have to explain it to them. So, yeah, early on, I think uh, a lot of the young people who is the core demographic for what was the WB at that time and is now the CW, I think, uh, really didn't realize uh, that, that, that that's what it was. Yeah, well, um, uh, I quite, quite often try to stump some of my uh, nieces and, and cousins and ask them like who the secret identity of certain characters are, and uh, most of them know Clark Kent is Superman, but they struggle with, like, Bruce Wayne and, you know, Peter Parker and some of those other characters. But obviously, because I'm such a big Superman fan, I think they know all about Superman more than they do the other heroes. Yeah. Well, that's good. 
Keep that up. <laughs> Keep up the good work. Spread the Superman word. Oh, who do you uh, have we next? Have, uh, we have one more written-in answer from Argent L. And uh, uh, the answer is, Hi, Steve, Scotty, and hi to Starla for this very good and difficult question. There's so much out there, and it's so hard to narrow down. I really enjoyed the Lois and Clark episode that had Tempest and H.G. Wells and the general cheesy fun. Superman the Animated Series is also a favorite of mine because of the spectacular amount of supporting characters and beautiful animation. I don't know. If it has a cape on it, I'll probably watch it, and I hope we don't have to wait 10 years for another TV series. The movies are great, but it's nice to have a little Kryptonian reference on a weekly basis. Good answer, and Argent, uh, we thank you for your answer, and we do remember that you're a female listener, not a male listener. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, <laughs> I can't actually claim that I remembered, but for some reason I thought that she was. And so when I was starting to read the answer, I was going to say, and Arjun L., uh, he wrote, and then I was like, no, wait, that's not right. So then I ended up saying, and here's the answer, instead of <laughs> actually giving it a pronoun, and uh, I apologize for that. But yeah, she, uh, Arjun L., writes in often, and uh, I'm going to try to keep that in my mind. <laughs> Now, our last answer is uh, an audio answer from Mikey B, who uh, sent this in. So let's see what Mikey had to say in answer to Starla's question. Well, thank you, Mikey. Good points there. And uh, we, uh, we look forward to more audio answers from fans who are willing to record their voice and send that in. Uh, but uh, let's get to our new big question for this month. The new big question is, who is your favorite Superman villain and why? Yeah, this will be an interesting one. It's uh, I, I don't know if we've asked this one ever before, but it seems to be one that we uh, should hear from uh, fans just to what who their favourite villain is. I'm sure we'll get a lot of Lex Luthor's, and um, you know, I'll put my hand up right now and say my favourite Superman villain is Mixius Pitlick. Uh, I love him. So uh, let's see what uh, what about you, Scott? What's your, who's your favourite villain? Well, I, I think that the standard answer, it's, it's kind of like when someone asks you who your favorite Muppet is, it seems like I have to go to Kermit, uh, or Bugs Bunny is my favorite Looney Tunes character, but I mean, that almost seems like a write-off, you know, but yeah. uh, I, I would always go with Lex Luthor, um, when he's written well and when he's used uh, in, in the proper manner, uh, I, I think that he's just a great, intelligent uh, foil for, for Superman, and I like to see them both kind of use their wits uh, to, to outsmart each other or to outsmart others. And uh, uh, some of the best stories come from, from seeing that kind of rivalry go on. Fantastic. Well, let's hear from you guys out there. Who is your favorite Superman villain and why? Get involved with the new Big Question segment of Radio KAL. And you can do that by clicking on the button found at the Superman homepage to send your entry in. Or like Mikey B, you can record an audio answer and send it in as an MP3 file and we will play and read out all the answers in next month's podcast. Lois is on the move. What exactly are you planning to do with this equipment? I'm trying to avoid having the two of you directly implicated in what I'm planning, lest something go horribly wrong. Do I even want to know the specifics? No, you do not. Can you tell us where you're going? <sighs> A place in a city you are very familiar with, where a very important person lives, to find information about... activities. Sawyer and Turpin return to work. Pull your pants up, Henderson. Oh, yeah, sure. You got it, Cap. Oh, I'm sorry if I intimidated you, Dano. Didn't mean to make you jealous. And the House of L returns to Krypton. 
Okay, I don't understand how this is even possible. It shouldn't be. And yet, there it is. An intact piece of Krypton just floating out in space, defying reality. And just what are you doing? Knocking on the door. It's a homecoming not to be missed in Superman, The Last Son of Krypton, issue 87, on March 28, 2012, only at PendantAudio.com. Superman and Supergirl find a bottle of trouble. Wait. Someone approaches. If it's Zod... No, it's... I... I can't quite... And back in Metropolis, a chance encounter. Wait, th this g guy is, is a friend of yours? We've, uh, worked together a few times in the past. Has serious consequences. You're out of second chances, Metallo. No caped teenagers can talk you out of this one. Tune in to Supergirl, Lost Daughter of Krypton, Episode 59, coming March 28th at PendantAudio.com. Okay, super secret soundbite time. Uh, last month's uh, sound came from the animated movie Justice League Doom. Ooh, Steve trying to get a little sneaky there and uh, <laughs> get something brand new. But guess what? 13 people were up to the challenge. And they were Edward uh, Chianti, or Cianti, Fred Walsh, Steve Toten, Andre Bali, Derek Stokely, Rick Ruiz, David Huang, uh, Brian Pride, Anthony Arfuso, Mickey B, Mikey B, sorry, Brendan Savinsky, Matt Apps, and David Abraham. Yep, and we also had one very late entry that just came in this morning, and that was Weston Connick, so that makes 14 people all up. So well done to all those people, and let's see if they and, uh, and more can find out uh, just where in the Superman world this new sound comes from. Well, if you think you know where in the world of Superman that sound comes from, use the super secret soundbite entry form found at the Superman homepage and send your entry in. Each person who I guesses think it's it. From... Go, go ahead. No, go ahead. I think it's that. I think it's from the uh, new uh, season eleven, episode nine television show Smallville. Uh, that's where I think the sound is from. Okay. Well, you won't have your name read out next month, but. Uh... We will read out the names of everybody who guesses it right in our next Radio KL podcast. Uh, the Superman song this month is uh, from the band X-Ray Poets, and they just released their debut album. It's called Land of Illusions, and on that album is a song titled Cal L. How cool is that? <laughs> Very cool. Uh, David Collins from the band sent us the track to play on Radio KL. If you like it, Land of Illusions is available as a free download to anyone interested. You can grab it from X-Ray Poets, that's poets with a Z, X-Ray, P-O-E-T-Z dot com. Now here's their song, Cal-El.
I'm well, give them hell, ride the whale, battle yell, story tell, uh. Knock him out the park, no more shadow dark Lark, loosen up the tie, Clark It's time to leave a mark Where's Lex? Make him vex, treasure like I found an ex Oval office counterfeiting checks Presidential sex Brainiac, I bring the city back Map like it's Atlas back, track it like a quarterback Time to spring the trap, we're getting out of it I'm proud of it, the power hit Never doubted it, even when they had the kryptonite Kit broke the chains, ignored the pains Always focused on the gains Small time criminal names, got the bigger games Winning everything, sing, boxing in the ring, ding, reading Daily Planet that I can do anything. Justice League, dish it till the Joker bleed Beating Batman till the punch and now we see the tumbleweed Got the bullets bouncing off, never getting soft Locked airplanes in the sky, lost, catching like a Molotov Never getting burned, never a concern Cause I learned, hop into a booth and take a turn Watch my interest earn, I don't need a bank Profit in the world I thank Crank another boat that sank while I steer my flying tank Now it's time to go to war, soar, find them like an open door Hit them where it hurts, dive into the earth's core Hell fly Around first time, freeze a lake, make it mine. Going after crime, check me out, I'm doing fine. Planet fell, for whom the bell climb well. Give him hell, ride the well, battle yell, story tell. Uh. From death, blowing out of fire with my breath Rest, know I'm on a never-ending quest Peep the letter S Take it all around the world Swirl, beating every squirrel Hurl another pearl Wisdom, take it forward, world Got unlimited knowledge Polished from Kryptonian college Never understood the words that the people abolished Find a meaning in the dreaming To demeaning, fiending Listen to their mouths Needing nothing but a proper cleaning Infection spreading deeper See them calling out to Grim Reaper Chips are stacked steeper Time to see the building leaper in a single bound, power stretch to every town, gain ground, get into the air and make the world go round. interesting song by x-ray poets called kal-el and uh yeah it's it's a free download their whole album land of illusions is available as scotty said before the song x-ray poets that's x-r-a-y-p-o-e-t-z.com check it out and download their album 
Well, that's the show for another month. Cool. Uh, it's uh, been an interesting one. Uh, we have, uh, obviously, a bit of a sound difference with Scotty's uh, sound from the second half of the show, but uh, uh, it's all cool. I uh, just had to change a, a technical issue there. So uh, what a great show, Scott. Yeah, I had a good time. Uh, we had some uh, technical difficulties, as Steve was mentioning. Uh, my Internet's been shut off, so I'm, I'm calling you from uh, from a phone. So uh, so there you have it. That's, that's where the sound comes from. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, we'll talk again next month, and uh, remember, everybody, always look up in the sky. Exactly. Now, if uh, you have a suggestion for Scotty and I for next month's podcast, uh, maybe there's a, a topic you'd like to dis- you think we should discuss. Maybe there's a song you'd like to send in if you've got a band or if you've got a, a request. Feel free to email us. Um, if there's a big question you'd like us to pose, just like Starla did last month. Uh, we're happy to use your suggestions. You can email me at steve at supermanhomepage.com or you can get Scotty via scotty at supermanhomepage.com. But for now, that's us. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you, Steve. Remember, kids, pay your internet bill. (laughs) You've been listening to Radio KL from supermanhomepage.com.